Hello everyone, I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Jamie Adams, and this is Brainwaves episode 130, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 18th of September, 2023. Berserk Games won't pay. Haba can't pay. And Stronghold Games welcome their AI overlords. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Berserk Games are the publishers of Tabletop Simulator, a PC program that can be used to build simulations of board games. The program came to prominence during the pandemic as the board game community sought ways to connect online. Effectively, it became a platform for digital versions of board games, much like Board Game Arena or Tabletopia. Way back in episode 86, we covered a story where the publisher of Three Kingdoms Redux and Race for the Chinese Zodiac had not been paid royalties by Berserk Games. Publishers can agree for their games to be put on the platform and get given royalties based on the sales for that particular module on Tabletop Simulator. On September the 8th, 2023, Scottish publisher DigiSprite Games, makers of Adventure Mart and Familiar Alchemy, posted this to Twitter. We have made the difficult decision to terminate our licensing agreement with Berserk Games on, for the Adventure Mart DLC on Tabletop Simulator. This decision was not made lightly. Over the course of the three years the agreement was in place, we did not receive any royalty reports or royalty payments on time. Delays ranged from several months to over a year, and almost all required weeks, or in some cases months, of repeated requests and follow-ups before a response from Berserk Games would be received. To date, there are over a year of unpaid royalties, Q2 2022 onwards, totaling over $2,000. We had hoped to be able to work this out with the team at Berserk Games, but that has unfortunately not been possible. The team did not respond to our notice of breach of the licensing agreement, requesting that they rectify this to prevent the termination of the agreement. Any previously purchased copies of the Adventure Mart DLC should remain playable, and we will be exploring other avenues to provide a digital version of the game. We apologise for any inconvenience this causes our players, and thank you for your support and understanding. On August the 10th, 2023, Ken had reopened the thread on BGG, saying that... After many months of sending chasing emails, we received a cryptic email from Berserk Games yesterday. It contained the sales reports for Q2 2022, Q3 2022, Q4 2022, and Q1 2023. While happy to receive them, they've missed out the Q1 2022 sales report. And yes, we've always been reminding them which sales reports have been missing in our reminder emails. We replied with the invoice for the four quarters immediately, but are not holding our breaths for fast payment. We reached out to Ken to ask for permission to share these updates and to confirm that the publisher remained unpaid. I also posted in that thread asking for people to come forward and contact us anonymously if they wished. We were subsequently contacted by folk who have worked on games for the company as freelancers who have also run into issues. Contracted work has been carried out, but the freelancer only gets paid on release of the game they have worked on. When this doesn't happen, the freelancer is left in limbo and can't get information from Berserk Games as to when the game they worked on might get released and when they will get paid. We were also pointed towards the news that Stonemire Games, publishers of Scythe and Wingspan, had pulled their games off Tabletop Simulator. I reached out to Jamie Stegmeyer, president of Stonemire Games, to confirm. He wrote back and asked me to quote the whole email to give his reply the proper context. In January 2022, these allegations became public information. Jamie then links to a Dicebreaker article that contains allegations of transphobia amongst the moderators of the Tabletop Simulator forums. We reported on those allegations in episode 90. Jamie goes on. We researched the allegations and discussed them as a team. Finding truth in them, 
not just the anti-LGBTQ plus censorship, but also the poor or toxic response from Berserk Games, we decided to cut all ties from Berserk in the form of telling Jason Henry to remove our games from TTS. It was a well-discussed decision that included our DEI, Diversity, Equity and Inclusion consultant. We believe in second chances, but our investigation yielded a high level of toxicity on the TTS forums that TTS had simply allowed to happen for a long time. Even though they shut down the forums, the long-standing nature of that toxicity was assigned to us that our principles simply do not align with theirs. Jason confirmed that would be done, though I did recently hear from someone that Euphoria and perhaps other games are still there. I contacted Berserk fairly recently to reiterate they are not authorised to put our games on TTS, and I have not received a response. When we made this decision, we didn't publicly broadcast it, as it's in our core principles to uplift and elevate, not bash and denigrate, unless a company or person is truly endangering someone. However, we've made it no secret that we do not work with TTS and that instead we work with Tabletopia. We also reached out to Digisprite asking them if there was anything they wanted to add to their public statement. Robin Davies, Managing Director of Digisprite, replied giving us a fuller breakdown of the situation. We'd like to read some of that reply to you now. Throughout the three years this was happening to us, I repeatedly asked why, what was going to be done to prevent it in future, etc. But it was ignored each time, either with no reply or with a reply that didn't address those questions. The very first time was the only exception, with a vague reasoning of our report in particular somehow being omitted from their processing. Robin goes on to detail how they were forced to resort to joining the Tabletop Simulator Discord and messaging staff to get any sort of traction with game paid. Recently, though, even those efforts have fallen on deaf ears. Robin says this regarding the decision to remove Adventure Mart from Tabletop Simulator. It's been a very tough decision to make overall, though. We have four main income streams. In-person sales at conventions, online sales through our website, retailer sales, and the AM DLC on TTS. Losing one of those is very significant, and I imagine other creators are in similar situations and either simply can't, or understandably don't want to, lose that revenue stream. I think that because of this, the only hope we have of Berserk changing their behaviour is with pressure from users themselves. Digisprite have sent a formal notice to Berserk Games to remove Adventure Mart from their platform, but are yet to receive any response from the company. Robin finishes by saying this. I think it's very important for users of TTS to be aware that any money they spend on these DLC may either not actually reach the original creators at this point, as is currently the case with the $2,000 plus they haven't paid us at time of writing this, this equates to somewhere around 1,500 copies of the DLC, or requires the creators to go through all of this to try and get their share. Now last Sunday, the 10th of September, I sent an email to Berserk Games asking them for comment on these allegations, but at time of recording on the 15th of September, we are yet to hear back from them. Now Berserk Games seems like a company that's either been run in an incredibly ramshackle manner or just is completely ignoring uh, the people that actually make their platform work. Uh, depending on your point of view on that. Their pledges to do better on LGBTQ plus issues have also come to nothing. Uh, we reported on that way back uh, in an episode I don't recall off the top of my head. But uh, we, I looked back at their pledge to promote more members of the LGBTQ plus community. And I think there has maybe been one post on their website to that effect when they promised a lot more than that. Now, Digisprite are not the only people to have been unpaid by Berserk Games, with freelancers and other companies also feeling effect with the mis- mismanagement going on at that publisher. And honestly, I think it's time to maybe just not use Tabletop Simulator because they don't seem to be a very nice company. They're not no. paying people. 
people aren't making like the companies you love, the companies that make board games and the board games that you're playing on there legitimately are not getting paid. You reap what you sow, and they have reaped um, transphobia, the kind of mealy mouth glad handing of we promise to do better, and they kind of haven't, and this is only making things worse. So, uh, yeah, start looking somewhere else, folks. Sorry to say it. I say sorry. I'm not really sorry because they deserve. I'm, it sounds horrible. But I don't care. They deserve to be handed out. If you're going to not pay people and continue virulent transphobia, you deserve to be ostracized. Yeah, maybe some of the bigger companies have more luck, but like Stonemaier pulled their games from there as well. Yeah, it's just not a great situation. There are other platforms. Tabletopia is good, but Board Game Arena is good. These are legitimate platforms where, as far as we know, publishers get paid. We've never heard anything otherwise. So, yeah, I'm assuming that's all okay on that side of things. One of the yeah. main issues of Board Game Arena is that it's primarily owned by Asmodee now. So there might have to be extra hoops being jumped through if you are not an Asmodee product and you want to get on Board Game Arena. Yeah, possibly. But the actual platform is good. And there are quite yes. a lot of games on there if you want yes. to go that route. Now, Jamie, sad news from the world of children's games. Back in episode 126, we reported on the troubles facing games company Haba as it planned to fire 650 of the 2,000 staff at the company as they were hit by a downturn in sales. Now, Haba are the publishers of the Rhino Hero series, among many other awards-winning kids' games. Now it seems the situation has worsened and Haba has filed for bankruptcy via a self-administration procedure. In an article published on Zeit Online, Managing Director Mario Wilhelm said, The application for self-administration was anything but easy for us. In August, Haba discontinued Jacko, which is one of their children's clothing brands. Now, unlike regular administration procedures, Self-administration has the management team of the company remaining in place and it has a chance to reorganize the company. There is a supervisor assigned to make sure administration rules are adhered to. Now, in the case of Haba, that will be Tobias Sorg from the law firm DMP Solutions. That will provide a link to the article on self-administration that breaks down the rules around this type of bankruptcy further. We'll do that in the show notes because it's a little bit more complex and we don't really want to go into it here. And... You know, what can you really say? I mean, Haba has been huge, hugely influential in board games, but mm-hmm. a huge portfolio that's not just games, you know, toys, clothing. They're suffering from a large portfolio. I wouldn't be surprised to hear maybe maybe selling off other parts of the company to focus on maybe a core thing, whatever they decide that might be. Maybe part of it, you know, maybe the board game might get snapped up by Asmodee or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Have you got any thoughts on this, Ian? Yeah, I I would imagine that they would focus on their toy market. That's bound to be. I mean, much as we love board games, the toy market is massively bigger than board games, and I can see them focusing maybe on that. I believe that's what Haba was originally. They were they were a toy company originally, and they've sort of like gone into board games over the years. I mean, like Jamie says, their board games have been incredibly influential. Uh, both Jamie and I love Rhino Hero and Rhino Hero Super Battle. They won. I think it was last year, maybe the year before. One of their games won the Kinderspiel des Jahres. You know they've, they've they've been incredibly influential. Their yellow box games are like on every board game sh- on every board game shop shelves. They produce really good kids games. It would be a shame to see all, all those games just disappear. Uh, but I would imagine it would be snapped up by someone. And yeah, my likely guess would be Asmodee if that does get sold off. So we'll bring updates as we hear them. We'd like to thank Sarah Reed from our Discord for bringing this news article to our attention. I was going to have a link, but I couldn't come up with one. I was going to use a computer, but I didn't really want to. 
as we record this, Stronghold Games' most recent Kickstarter campaign is drawing to a close. It is for more Terraforming Mars. Further expansions for the 2016 hit Terraforming Mars. And now at time of recording, they have raised just over a million pounds. However, the company has drawn criticism for choosing to use AI art in this project. At the bottom of the campaign page, there is a heading called Use of AI. Under the heading, I plan to use AI-generated content in my project, Kickstarter wants the publisher to answer this question. What parts of your project will use AI-generated content? Please be as specific as possible. We have and will continue to leverage AI-generated content in the development and delivery of this project. We have used Midjourney, Fotor, and the Adobe suite of products as tools in conjunction with our internal and external illustrators, graphic designers, and marketers to generate ideas, concepts, illustrations, graphic design elements, and marketing materials across all elements of this game. AI and other automation tools are integrated into our company. And while all the components of this game have a mix of human and AI-generated content, nothing is solely generated by AI. We also work with a number of partners to produce and deliver the rewards for this project. Those partners may also use AI-generated content in their production and delivery process, as well as in their messaging, marketing, financial management, human resources, system development, and other internal and external business processes. This part of the Kickstarter project goes on to ask, do you have the consent of owners of the works that were or will be used to produce the AI-generated portion of your projects? Please explain. The intent of our use of AI is not to replicate in any way the works of an individual creator, and none of our works do so. We were not involved in the development of any of the AI tools used in this project. We have ourselves neither provided works nor asked for consent for any works used to produce AI-generated content. Please reference each of the AI tools we've mentioned for further details on their business practices. The inclusion of these headings is due to a recent directive from Kickstarter itself, which states that if a company is planning to use AI art in its project, it has to justify their decision and be open about which tools they are using. Charlie Hall from Polygon interviewed Travis Worthington, who's the current president of Indie Game Studios. We'll remind listeners that Indie Game Studios is the combined company that was formed when Indie Board and Cards and Stronghold Games merged in 2018. Stronghold Games were the publishers of the original Terraforming Mars. Now, we aren't going to quote... Now, we aren't going to quote the whole piece as it's pretty long, but it's definitely worth your time to read. However, there was one part we wanted to draw your attention to. At one point, Charlie gets into the consent question that Kickstarter asks anyone using AI to answer. We read that out early in the piece. Charlie asks this. Okay, the other thing that folks are bringing questions about is the second part of that disclosure, and I want to read Kickstarter's text back to you here real quick. Do you have the consent of the owners of the works that were or will be used to produce the AI-generated portion of your projects? Please explain. And the way that your explanation is written is, you don't. Is that fair? Yes. We've also not specifically used anything. I'm not sure what you mean. So there's a number of different AI models that you can use out there, some of which you can directly input images to use. So if you look at like a stable diffusion, the way their model is, you can train it on specific images. So we've not done that. We've not trained it on specific images. Now, that being said, the AI tools that we have used are trained on large databases, right? I think that's kind of general knowledge about AI. I'm not aware of any generative AI model that is 100% consent-based at this time. And so what Kickstarter is asking is, do you have consent? And what your company is saying is, no. What I'm saying is the tools we use are not based on a consent model, nor is there, to my knowledge, any AI tools that are based 100% on a consent model. And Kickstarter, having received that no, allowed the campaign to proceed? Yes. Now, Polygon reached out to Kickstarter for comment on the disclosure system, and Kickstarter's head of communication, Nikki Kriya, said this. 
As indicated in our policy, we ask that creators disclose how they use AI in their project so they are upholding the open, transparent communication that we encourage all creators to have with their backers. The piece goes on to talk about AI more, and Travis at one point goes on a long answer about what he thinks the future of AI in board games is, and indicates he thinks it is too late to turn back the rise of AI-generated imagery. He also goes on to say that companies like Wizards of the Coast that have pledged to not use AI imagery in their projects will have a hard time matching that pledge, as AI art will become too good to spot. Well, we've already had that from Wizards of the Coast a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, indeed. Well, that's what he was referring to in that piece. And now, the art in Terraforming Mars has always been rubbish. Let's not beat around the bush about that. It's terrible, right? It was always clip art. It is. It is. Smashed together. Looks like it's been, like, you know, put together by Clippy in the 90s or something. It's terrible. No, it's just, it's very generic stock footage. uh, Stock is that I understand what they're going for, but it just feels like a whole product as a whole. Yeah. Now it's also going to be stolen, which is, you know, good job all around. Now, they do blur the lines. Travis does blur the lines in his response here. He cites the tools within programs like the Adobe Suite. And I, but quite apart from that, I think the the Kickstarter revelation here is even a bit more worrying because Kickstarter obviously had huge problems with like blockchain and Bitcoin stuff and all that kind of thing over the last couple of years. They put together this committee to advise them on some of this stuff. And they did say that they were going to ask creators to declare about using AI. But it seems that, that the declaration is all that matters. The answer doesn't matter. It's just the clarity about whether they're using AI or, AI or not. Kickstarter doesn't seem to care whether you do or not, in a shock to no one. So since this story appeared, uh, a small list, let's put it this way, of uh, board game media entities that have declined to work with board games with generative AI art, includes, no pun included, Shut Up and Sit Down, Actual Lol, Charlie Thiel, What's Eric Playing, Senate, Space Biff, Beyond Solitaire, We're Not Wizards, The Giant Brain and Brainwaves. There is a lot more, but this is a huge knockback from the uh, the media yeah. community. Yeah, we will be reviewing games that we know contain AI-generated content or art, for sure, because it is... It's, I mean, it's terrible stuff that's been kind of unleashed and now we can't really put it back in the ball. I do worry that somewhere down the line, we're just the lines will be blurred enough that we won't be able to tell as much because it'll just get better. But I don't know when that'll happen, but I do worry about that down the line. It's going to happen, whether we like it or not, I'm afraid. Yeah, do, do let us know your opinions on AI-generated content in games. We'd love to hear from you folks. Now, let's move on to some updates. Jamie, they've been caught. Thomas Dunbar and Anthony Guillaume are the two individuals who were suspected in the robbery of $300,000 worth of Magic the Gathering cards at the Gen Con convention in Indiana in August of this year. Charges have now been filed against the pair who stole the stock from retailer Pastimes, Comic and Games. The pair could face up to six years in jail. An affidavit was seen by site Polygon that laid out the specifics of the case and the subsequent arrest of the two individuals. Now, we covered the details of the theft before. This affidavit also reveals that the car they left at the Gen Con site was identified and linked to Dunbar. It also says the pair had badges registered in their names at Gen Con and that the names on those badges were changed in the run-up to the event. The pair had also tried to enter the area of Gen Con run by Asmodee and Atomic Mass Games, who's a company that now deals with games such as X-Wing, previously held by Fantasy Flight Games. 
but a member of staff stopped the pair after believing they might be trying to steal stock. A New York attorney contacted police to let them know a client of theirs was coerced into buying the stolen stock for $4,000. The stock was subsequently recovered at this attorney's office. Man. <laughs> Just bad at stealing. If you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, you know that we've been following this as stories have come out and as events have, uh, have broken. Again, I'm going to say... I don't want to compare them to the Wet Bandits because until the Wet Bandits came up against Kevin McAllister, they were pretty reasonable and efficient. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Dumb and Dumber movie, this. I mean, obviously they tried to... They obviously knew they were going to get caught at some point and then tried to offload the stock for an incredibly cheap amount and that's not gone well. Yeah. I mean, we don't know the circumstances. Maybe they're desperate. Maybe they're in trouble in some way or form. But still, just terrible. On the last episode of Brainwaves, we covered the news that No Rules Barred host Adam Blampede was on disciplinary leave from the channel after allegations of sexual harassment. No Rules Barred is a YouTube channel that produces tabletop game-related content. In a recent post on the No Rules Barred Patreon, the company posted this. We have mutually agreed with Adam Blampede that he will be leaving the company with immediate effect. Adam will be making his own statement on his Instagram about his departure shortly, and we respect his request to address this matter in more detail himself. We've made this a publicly available Patreon post on the continued advice of those we have worked with during this difficult process. We will continue to work with the external expert consultants mentioned in our previous update, so we can be certain that we always have the strongest possible processes in place to support our team members and community. The past few weeks have been very challenging for all those involved. We would like to thank everyone who follows our channels for the continued support of our amazing cast and crew. Your understanding throughout the recent month has been genuinely heartwarming for us all, and is truly appreciated. Adam posted a statement regarding their departure from No Rules Barred and started that like this. It is with deep sadness that I have made the decision to step away from YouTube for the foreseeable future. This is not a decision I have taken lightly, but it is one that I believe to be in the best interest of the people and channels that I care so deeply about. The last month has been incredibly difficult and has been equally so for those around me. The cumulative effect of this has become just too overwhelming for me in recent days. As such, for the sake of my own mental health, and that of those close to me, stepping back feels like the healthiest thing to do. He goes on to refute the language used about him and implies that this is on the advice of legal counsel. He also basically says that people should keep politics out of board games. We will remind our listeners that after the last time Adam was accused of sexual harassment, he wrote a piece in the independent newspaper in the UK, saying that he was glad he got caught. He finished that piece with this. Harassment and abuse excused by immaturity or ignorance can no longer be a quirk of our gender. We are faced with a choice, behave with decency and respect and pursue only proper consent or face the consequences and deserve them. Now, we have quoted that before, in fact, on the last cast when we were talking about this very subject, but we think it's worth reiterating because those are Adam's own words. Last time, we also covered a brief history of Adam with a parent company called Trident Digital Media that owns No Rules Barred. One of their directors was also accused of sexual harassment, and the company quietly buried that. Don't support companies that do this. They don't deserve your faith. There is no apology here at all in anything that Adam or No Rules Barred put out. None. And it's just, yeah. It's just weak. I've got nothing to say beyond... It's a small thing, but uh, I'd like to remind our listeners that politics is an, an inexorable part of our life. All, and all not, art. And all art, no matter how much yeah. you'd like to hope so or like to believe so. 
politics infuses everything we do. It is part of life. Indeed. Even if we don't want it to be sometimes. <laughs> and now on to the news. Sheldon Menery, creator of the Commander format for collectible card game and juggernaut Magic the Gathering, has died after a seven-year battle with cancer. Commander is an extremely popular format of the game and sees three or more players using 100-plus card decks and unique leader characters to play the game. Usually, Magic the Gathering decks top out at around 60 cards. Menery was reportedly delighted by the popularity of the format, telling site Polygon... It's validation that you're doing something good. It's that shared joy of being able to let some of your friends in on a thing that you know about, and they might not. Whether it's a game or a TV show or a film or a bottle of bourbon, you love sharing things you love with people you like. And that's basically what we're doing with Commander. Taste this, we said, and a lot of people were like, man, this is right up my alley. Wizards of the Coast, publishers of Magic the Gathering, provided the following statement to Polygon. It is with great sadness and heavy hearts that we mourn the loss of a dear friend and colleague, Sheldon Menery. Sheldon was a trailblazer, influencer, and revered member in the Magic of the Gathering community, helping to shape the judge program from its earliest days, and serving as a level 5 competitive Magic judge until retiring from the program in 2011. A prolific writer and content creator, he shared his insights and expertise through articles, videos, and podcasts. Perhaps one of his greatest contributions to the Magic community is through the Commander format. Known by many as the Godfather of Commander, he was instrumental in the format's creation and development. As a founding member of the Commander Rules Committee, he oversaw the format's evolution into one of Magic Gathering's most popular formats. Of his work with Commander, Sheldon said, To see something you created and shepherded and nurtured become wildly popular and beloved by so many people, it's a pretty humbling moment. Sheldon was known for his kindness and generosity among the community, and he sought to make the game a welcoming and enjoyable experience for players of all levels and backgrounds. His passion and enthusiasm for the game and its community seemed boundless, and he took pride in his work with the game. How cool is it that I get to help a lot of people have some enjoyment in his life, he said during a podcast interview with Mark Rosewater. Sheldon's loss will be deeply felt by all those who knew him, and we extend our deepest condolences to his family, friends, and the entire Magic community. Sheldon is a legend who will be remembered for many years to come, and whose legacy will live on through countless players. Many members of the Magic community have expressed their sadness at the news of Sheldon's passing, but it seems his legacy will live on in the format he created. The thoughts of everyone at the Giant Brain, I wish Sheldon's family and friends at this incredibly difficult time, but what a fantastic legacy to leave behind. Megwai Baker, who wrote the famous Apocalypse World RPG with husband Vincent Baker, has a crowdfunding drive at the moment to help Megwai recover from breast cancer. Baker was diagnosed on July 17th when technicians found a tumour that needed to be operated on quickly. The procedure was successful and she is now home safe. The campaign has so far raised close to $30,000 and will continue to run for the foreseeable future. Megwai posted an update on the 2nd of September. From the beginning of this, all the way back in late July, the most dominant emotion I have felt is gratitude. Grateful for the medical technology and technicians who found the tumour. Grateful for Vincent's steadfast love and support. Grateful for our children and our home. Grateful for all of you who will receive these words. Grateful for the surgeons and all the attendant medical team who are saving my life, she wrote. That I get to do nothing for a while and just focus on the quality of the light, the amazing community around me and how infused with gratitude I am. That feels like something. We wish Megwai a speedy recovery and hope she gets the rest she needs. It's just such a shame that 
campaigns like this are need to support people going through this kind of treatment. It'd be nice if that came to an end. Now we'd just like to take a moment to have a look at Jobs Opportunities events across the tabletop gaming world. We'd just like to remind you that the Tabletop Jobs Facebook group exists. There's loads of jobs listed on there, uh, mostly America, but there are a few UK jobs as, as well there, so do check that out. And last time on the cast, we were mentioning the Hasbro Women Innovators of Play event, which was a sort of one-day event with uh, various women talking about their roles in Hasbro and gaming world in general. Following up on the talks we made you aware of, uh, Hasbro has announced the Women Innovators of Play Challenge. This will run from September the 12th to October the 12th and seeks the next woman-led mass market toy or game. Uh, the winner will receive $10,000 and all expenses pay trip to Hasbro HQ in Rhode Island for a day in the life experience and a mentorship session with one of Hasbro's top women leaders. The challenge is open to anyone 18 years or older who identifies as a woman and lives in one of the following countries. Australia, Canada, excluding Quebec, France, Germany, Israel, Hong Kong, New Zealand, Spain, UK, and USA. We'd just like to take a little moment to thank our patrons for continuing to support us. It really, really helps us run the cast and site, especially our executive producers, Kevin Bertram from Fort Circle Games, James Naylor from Naylor Games, and Sean Newman from the Game A Lot team. Thank you so much for continuing to support us at the executive producer level. You can join them for just $1 a month on our Patreon. There are various other ways to support us on the site, including nice dice from Fanroll, or formerly Metallic Dice Games, and buying merchandise from Sir Meeple as well. We'll put links to all of that in the show notes. Okay, just before we go, it's not Monopoly news, but instead... It's time for Poker News. That's right. The second most valuable Pokemon card has a new victor. $444,000 was paid, which is about £356,860.56, uh, off the top of my head, uh, was paid for the 1998 Pikachu Silver Trophy card, which was a second place prize at the 1998 Mega Battle Tournaments in Japan, specifically the 1997-1998 Japanese Lizardon, or Lizardon Mega Battle Pokemon Tournament event, which was the second one held. Now, these were some of the first tournaments ever organized for the Pokemon trading card game. Allegedly, only 14 cards of the Pikachu Silver Trophy were originally printed, and of them... Only two remain a PSA Gem Mint 10 grade, which is the highest tippity-top grading offered for a card. Now, currently, the 1998 Japanese Illustrator promotional card is still the most expensive card. I'm saying card a lot. Coming in with a deal valued at over $5 million, which involved YouTuber Logan Paul exchanging a PSA 9 version of the card, valued at a paltry $1.275 million and an additional $4 million for the only PSA 10 version. That's an amazing difference in price between those two very slightly different grades. And just remember, as we talked about with the One Ring 001-001 card, it might not be anything that you've done or the consumer has done that affects yeah. the quality of the card. It might just be something goes wrong in printing. PSA 9 is just like just off mint. Like it looks it really, is, really good. It is mint. Off. Like it is mint, but there's like a tiny, tiny, tiny thing wrong. 
slight misprint or something like that. I can't, I can't like Jamie says, could be something that just happened in the pack. Yeah, incredible. Cars continue to rack in the money. Anyway, folks, we are going to sign off now. We will be back in three weeks' time rather than our usual two. This is due to just a confluence of holidays and us all not being available to get together. So we'll be back uh, hopefully on Friday the 6th of October. That might change slightly based on other events that are going on in our lives, but we'll let you know if that does change. But yeah, hopefully uh, we should be recording again Friday the 6th of October, so that'll be going out on Monday the 9th. Thanks very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rain on your podcast platform of choice. You can also follow Oliver at Tabletop Games Blog. Oliver can join us today, but he'll be back next time. You can come along to our Discord, where we've got a friendly community where we discuss all sorts of things, including the latest news articles. Our Twitter, we are still kind of there, but I'm mostly posted on Blue Sky these days. We're the giant brain on Twitter. Instagram, Giant Brain UK. We are technically on threads as well, but I don't really post there either. Our Facebook is the Giant Brain, and I'll put a link to our Blue Sky invite there as well because I can't remember my full long thing there. It's quite long. Uh, and the giantbrain.co.uk is our main website, and you can email us about anything in the show or if you've got any comments on any of the articles we covered this time around, please do let us know via socials or at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. We'll see you in a few weeks' time. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Bye bye.